Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators buds the question mentoring these students a question that i realize that every person is asking themselves and that question is am i who i think that i am because we all think something of ourselves we all but we we want to know is it true Mm. um so that question brings a lot of people to buds and what's so cool is that Buds answers that question for people. Buds really is a test of resiliency. Mm -hmm. There are people who walked into SEAL training far more capable than me with mountains of confidence, mountains of external stimuli that told them Mm -hmm. that you you belong here until uh, until Buds training, until the instructors, until their peers told them that they weren't. That's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Don't think you are. Know you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. Man, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast. Because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? Welcome to the Impossible Life Podcast, where we say think better and live the impossible. I'm here with my very distinguished co-host, or are you like the talent? I don't know what to call you. Garrett Uncle Buck? Sure. Okay, sweet. Yes. We nailed that one. Uh, All right, Garrett, so picking back up, man, I think we talked about this a lot in in episode one, and I think it's something that sounds like Star Wars, episode one. Uh, I think it's the saga. Yeah, this is, this will be a saga. It will be more than nine episodes. Oh man. Well, there we go. We're committed. But I, uh, I think one of the things about you is we, we talked about what you've accomplished. Don't need to go into that again. You can listen to the first episode if you really want to hear it, but focusing specifically on being a Navy SEAL. And I think what I am very conscious of as a quote unquote mortal and normal human being, uh, for lack of a better (laughs) analogy, I know you hate that, but I think it's hilarious, um, is it's easy and it happens in a split second for someone to look at you and we see you on the other side of your victory. You ran through your crucible, you paid your price, and now you have a title that you all you know bears some weight as far as being a Navy SEAL. I know it's a blessing and a curse and we can talk about that another time. 
But I think it's easy. And what I want to explore is I think it's easy for a, 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 normal, a person who hasn't done that to look at you and in a, a split second, without even being aware of what's happening in their thinking process, they just assume, well, look at Garrett. He must be super, uh, super athletic, super aggressive. He had this just, he was just naturally, you know, had a, a stronger willpower and he had all these things and they ascribe all these attributes to you and they don't know they're doing that. But I think in the process of just making assumptions about why you were able to do what you were doing, they are giving a somewhat damning verdict of themselves and giving themselves an excuse to aim lower. And I don't think people realize that's happening, but we do it all the time with Mm -hmm. people when we're confronted with somebody that's achieved something that we either think is cool or we would love to have been able to do and don't think we can. And so you talk a lot about resiliency and being that being so key to what you've accomplished and even so much as answering it as, as to what it is for the measure of a man and you go into resiliency. So, so what is resiliency? Well, resiliency is a, a funny word. Most people aren't familiar with it or really think a lot about that. What is common to people, a common term is confidence. Mm-hmm. So we'll start there. Confidence is, hey, I've got, you know, I hit a ball. I'm good. I feel good about hitting baseballs. Like I'm confident in my baseball skills. Mm-hmm. I got up in front of my class and talked. I'm confident in my speaking abilities until, until then yeah. you, then. Then, yeah. then your confidence wanes a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of confidence is based off of external stimuli. Mm-hmm. Do people tell me I'm good? Do pe- or what, whatever the thing is, whether it's being able to hit a ball or speaking ability, whatever the thing is. I have confidence when external stimuli um, tells me that mm-hmm. I do. I feel like I lo- I'm good. I feel good about myself as far as like good looks when I look in the mirror right. and I like what I see. Yeah. That is confidence. Resiliency is so different. Nick, when I was growing up, I, I didn't like this. And you know what? It made me better. People called me arrogant all the time. Mm-hmm. My recruiter, getting into the Navy, uh, he called me arrogant. I would say very often that, like, I know. This is what I know. I would tell people that. And people's response would um, so often would be, well, how do you know? Mm-hmm. And they would, like, well, you're just so arrogant. You just believe this. Well, that was, looking back, it's so funny that that's what it was labeled that resiliency was labeled as arrogance. Hmm. Um, and you know what, it, it, it can, they can cross lines and we'll get into that maybe, but uh, let's go Let's go to my recruiter for a second. You know, I told him, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. This is what I want to do. I need you to write up the contract for me. It's very matter of fact and very certain. And, and for people that don't know, how old are you at this point? 30. No, no, when you were oh, joining Navy SEALs. Uh, I was 19, right. sitting in my recruiter's office. Okay. And, I, and I, very matter of fact, I said, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. You were a skinny kid. You're six. You're about six two. Is that right? I'm six one. Um, by the time I was, I was skinny my freshman year. I was six one my freshman year, 135 or 145 pounds, um, and then graduated high school six one, about 200 pounds. Oh, okay. So you're a little bit more of a. No, I was, I was thicker. I was okay. in a. By the time I I left for buds, I was 185. I started leaning down because you had to run okay. so much. But that's not like huge by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, I was I was you know there was nothing about my build right. necessarily that would make you think that I wasn't supposed to be a seal. But my recruiter had an experience, and he told me the stories of all the people that had come in his office and mm-hmm. told him, well, you know, that they were going to be a seal and never and didn't make it. And he made sure that I knew all those people. And so he's looking at me, and he gave me. He's, the words he said to me, I'd heard so often, which was, how, how do you know? Because hmm. I would say, I know that I'm supposed to do this. And then they would say, well, how do you know? And how do you know something? Eh? How do you know something if you haven't been told it, if you don't see it, if you don't have um, 
if you, if you don't have the reflection, you don't have people telling you this is what you are, how would you know? I mean, I think that that's where it comes down to a belief, but I don't even know where you begin to develop something what's like really, that. What's really cool. Or to know, to know and to believe is different, right? Yes, yes it is. Hmm. What's really cool about the BUDS program is the people that attracts. It's very interesting. Something I discovered um, when I was mentoring a bunch of young students, uh, um, guys wanting to become SEALs and some uh, later on in my military career, the free time I did have, I would spend time mentoring guys. And in mentoring those guys, I really learned a lot about the, just the, the thought process of getting there. And uh, I learned so much about myself and mentoring those guys. Something I discovered spending time with these guys on their path to becoming SEALs was that every man and really every person is asking themselves the same question. And it is this question um, makes me think of uh, the matrix. It's the question that drives you. Everything this, makes you think of the matrix. Uh, I can say a lot of things do make me think of the matrix. <laughs> Nerd. Um, yes. If behind you on the bookcase, there is a philosophy book based off of the matrix that I have read. So yes, I am a nerd on this topic. <laughs> Rabbit hole coming back. Um, buds, the question mentoring these students, a question that I realize that every person is asking themselves. And that question is, am I who I think that I am? Cause we all think something of ourselves. We all, but we, we want to know, is it true? Mm. Um, so that question brings a lot of people to buds. And what's so cool is that buds answers that question for people. Buds really is a test of resiliency. Mm -hmm. There are people who walked into seal training far more capable than me with mountains of confidence, mountains of external stimuli that told them mm -hmm. that you, you belong here until the, uh, until Bud's training, until the instructors, until their peers told them that they weren't. It's really interesting. One of the, and we're kind of jumping around and, and we'll bring it all back, but I'm right now, I'm just like, all these things are, these thoughts are coming back to me and I want to talk about them for a second. One of the things that really was striking in Bud's when you're going through is peer reviews. And in peer reviews, you really like people tell you what, what they really think of you. And some guys who had resilience would like be bottom five or like really low on the list. And it would say like, you know, guys don't think you're going to be a good seal. Guys don't think they would want to work with you. And those, some of those guys were like, whatever, I don't care what any of y'all think. Um, Cause I know who I am. And then there were other people who had been very talented people who had once been highly uh, rated. And then they got bottom five because, you know, they did something dumb and they just broke them like they could mm. never come back from it. And it's a lack of resiliency. So now let's talk about what resiliency is compared to confidence. So we know confidence comes from external stimuli. Where does resiliency come from? Well, resiliency comes from internal stimuli. Mm. And the last example that I want to give real quick, I know I keep teasing the last example I want to give real quick of resiliency before we kind of define it and, and give people handles to put on it and, and bring it into their own lives. There's a really cool interview of Elon Musk. Um, hmm. This was from a few years ago. And uh, he's sitting there with the guest, sitting there with the host. And the host is talking about Neil Armstrong. Yeah. And some of the other people that, uh, Neil Armstrong is a personal hero for Elon Musk. And Neil Armstrong had said like, hey, privatization of space travel is not the way. Mm. And like, you can tell he's like on the edge of tears. To have your hero tell you, yeah. Like I, I want to be like this person. I want this person to applaud me. I want this person to be proud of what I've done. And for that person to look at you and tell you like what you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then to continue on top of that, it brings me back to uh, a quote from uh, Rudyard Kipling's 
poem if yeah. there's so many things in there but one of them is if you could lose it all on a game of toss and mm. begin again that is the test to lose everything or to have no external stimuli to have nothing that tells you that you are enough that you are capable but to go for it anyways where that comes from is within yourself what do you believe not what do other people say what do you say about yourself? Hmm. And what I decided at a young age was even when in, in eighth grade, I was 6'1", 135 pounds, super like overly curly hair that looked like an afro because I was transitioning through puberty. I was so pale, uncoordinated at the time and hadn't really become athletic yet. Mm-hmm. And people put me in so many boxes and all of them, I said, that's not me. Hmm. That's not true. I know who I am. I know who I'm going to become, even though I can't see it. So I know I'm going to be this. I know I'm going to be that. That's who I said that I was. So resiliency starts with who do you say that you are? Hmm. And that's the hardest thing for people because they don't want to define that. They want other people to define them. It's scary to look into yourself and, and, and try to pull out who am I going to be. Oh, massively. Well, I think the thing that's interesting about that question is, you know, I don't think many people, if you said, who are you? It, that's a hard, you know, you watch people stumble through their intros in business settings or whatever it is, or the question that sometimes I get in, as a marketing consultant is people, you know, within our, our consultancy, people will be like, what's your superpower? And I hate that question. Yeah. Even though I have it, an answer to it, it's just... It's not something that people ask a lot. And what you're talking about sounds like, who do you say you are? Well, everybody's saying something about who they are all the time, right? Everybody has self-talk, but I don't think a lot of people are really aware of it. I mean, you said, you said a stat on self-talk to me when we've, we've talked about this, because we've talked about this before. Do you remember what that was? Well, there's a lot of stats on self-talk. You know, there's stats that would tell you people talk to themselves at 200 or 400, 800, and there's another set that says 2,000 words per minute that people talk to themselves. Good the, Lord. The word count is not signif- significant. Um, I don't talk the fastest. There's people that talk faster than me. There's people that talk less words per minute than me. You don't look at a speaker or the value of, uh, of audible content by word count. So it doesn't really matter how many words per minute you speak. What matters is that you do. And, and it's we, happening. Yes, and time. it is happening yeah. all the time. You are it's not just a conversation with yourself. So there's times when you're like just talking with yourself, trying to air out a thought. There's other times where you are really speaking, and this this gets into a deeper con a deeper topic, Nick, where um, who you are is connecting to your brain. Mm-hmm. And you can start telling yourself, I am enough, or you can start telling yourself, I am not enough. Right. And that's where, where people get lost. People the reason people struggle with resiliency, Nick, and you could this is kind of metaphorical, but you could look at it this way. People are afraid of the dark. And what do I mean by that? When you look into the space, an, an unknown space that's dark and you can't see what's in there. At, I mean, if we went outside at night and we're looking into a shadow, what you, if you keep staring at it long enough, what people are going to imagine is something dark, mm-hmm. something that would hurt them. People are afraid to walk into that space. We have so much dark, unexplored space within ourselves mm-hmm. and people don't want to go in there. They just want somebody to tell them what's in there. And you have to decide, like, I am going to discover who I am and I'm going to define who I am. I'm not going to wait for other people to tell it to me. So resiliency really comes down to, like, what are your core beliefs about yourself and what are you going to decide? And that that comes from an even deeper belief that you have the ability to do that. 
Because most people think that their life is fixed, that who they are is fixed, that they don't have any ability to write their own story. I'm as smart as I am because that's the way that it is. Hmm. And it's a lack of personal accountability. It's a lack of personal responsibility. Most people's deepest fear isn't just a public speaking or being afraid of the dark, but it's a fear of inadequacy. Yeah. It's a fear of what if I get, yeah, what if I give all that I have? What if I give 100% and still fail? Yeah. And they wouldn't know what to do at that point because most people, and this is, we're going way deep now, Nick, because most people measure themselves by their accomplishments, Mm -hmm. not by who they are. To know, to mastery, to know yourself, that is a great, supreme accomplishment. And resiliency will get you there. But most people don't want to do that because they are afraid to really test themselves. Buds attract so many people because it is such a great test. And people are asking themselves, do I know who I am? And they come to Buds to find the answer. Man, you went exactly where. uh, So we've talked about this or maybe we haven't. I love cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, It's something that I put a lot of... uh, weight into and i love reading about it so there's my kind of nerdy stuff i do too and what you talked about it's funny that we've never covered that before um what you touched on right there the challenge of resiliency and tony robbins who's a guy that we both you know have immense respect for and i he's been a huge blessing and to help shape me in my life um from afar and he says you know people basically only have two fears and number one is that they're not enough and number two is that because they're not enough they won't be loved and I yeah. think that is such a beautiful way to sum it up. And you, you touched on it. Yeah. On I didn't know that he says that, that people yeah. have these two fears, but that's absolutely true. Oh, yeah. And that's why as you were, I was so glad that you went where you did because the challenge of resiliency is you're right. It, you're facing that abyss of, okay, I have to be prepared to find out that I could fail. And if you're outcome-based, that is a very, very so hard let, thing to do. Let me relate this to something that guys experience in Buds. Yeah, it's kind please. of like an example of resiliency. What I call it is the unknown distance run. So there's runs in buds. um, There's runs in life, right, where you know how far away the finish line is. Mm -hmm. And then there are other runs that you don't know how far away the finish line is. So in buds, you have four-mile timed runs. You know how far that is. And people know what they're capable of. And people will come into that run with confidence. Versus there are other runs in buds that are not meant to be timed, that are not meant to be can you run this far this fast. Um, there are other runs that we're going to take off running and we'll see who's still here. Hmm. And what, what's the crazy part is Nick, none of those runs and like, as far as the pace and the conditioning level really took more effort than what like, or ability than it took to pass a four mile at the times that were required, but it tested guys in a different way. There were guys who don't interrupt you. I'm sorry to jump in, but for reference, for those of us who haven't been through buds, and that's pretty much all of us, what is a four-mile t- timed run? Because I think, in okay. my mind, I think you guys are just like, if you're not doing five-minute miles, you're out of the Navy. And that's obviously not the case. Yeah, it's not five-minute miles. Um, but you are on in pants and boots on the beach in Coronado, four miles. The times start at 32 minutes. Right. At the end of buds, by third phase, I, I believe the last time gate is 28 minutes. So seven-minute miles at the end. Okay, which is which is good. That's fast. But there's a lot of high school kids out there that are going seven-minute miles. That's achie- when you I would you tell you that's achievable team. by right. 95 to 99% of people. You're right. Like a five-minute mile is not achievable by everybody. Yeah, I just want to give some context for people who haven't been through BUDS, which is pretty yeah. much everybody. So <laughs> you're saying that this four – so you're running at a slower pace than even the, the eight-minute pace that you yeah. guys do for four miles. So yeah, but it may be an eight-minute pace for – 11 or 12 miles. Right. Okay. Okay. So you guys may stick with that four yeah. mile pace. Or, or yeah, and there's other ways to, um, 
to create pain. You know, sometimes we'll run for a couple miles and then there's going to be like a beat down or get wet and sandy and then we'll keep running. But here's what, here's what jacks people up standing at the, you know, the hardest thing about a thing is not doing the thing. It's the anticipation of the thing. Hmm. And so the four mile, the hardest part of the four mile timed run is standing there waiting for the four mile timed run to start. Right. Once you're in it, it feels different. Well, the anticipation pain before the four mile time run is small. The anticipation pain before the unknown distance run is as big as your imagination. And that's what crushes most people because they're wondering like, how bad could this possibly be? And they put the, they look at the instructor um, and some of the instructors who would lead the unknown distance runs were really good runners, but they would look at them and be like, man, those guys can run insanely fast and faster than me. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of those guys were great runners, but I would look at them and just know that they're human. I also knew that I was one of the slowest runners in the class anyways and just said, you know what, I'm still going to be here. I'm just going to keep going. And so I knew I was already signed up for pain, but other guys were saying, I don't know if I'm enough. And the, the unknown distance run would break them in the same way that a lack of resiliency does because they're not willing to test. They're not willing to look into the dark and see what's in there. They don't know how to go over that line. I had guys in my class quit who could run twice as fast as me, guys who were amazing runners. And they would some of those guys quit on unknown distance runs, not because they couldn't keep pace with the class, but because in their mind it, they made it into something bigger than it was. Man. And to throw away all that, because Bud's is what, week four? Or Hell Week's week five? Or, yeah. yeah. That's and that's right. what you're talking about, the unknown distance runs. Well, well there's week. unknown distance runs all throughout first Oh, race. is there? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, see, I'm learning, man. Pretty soon, <laughs> if I if they start allowing old dudes in the Navy SEALs, man, I'm ready from this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, you're a little past the age waiver. Okay, there was no need to go there. You could have humored me. But anyways, uh, so, right, so, I mean, so that's insane to see that guys would walk away. I mean, so you're saying that a guy might walk away at, like, four miles or five miles in? Mm-hmm. Which is which is crazy because they've already run. How many how well, many miles do you run in Hell Week? In Hell Week, you'll run over two hundred miles. And <laughs> that's so insane. on that same topic, you're yeah. gonna talk about guys quitting in strange circumstances. To make it to Hell, just to get to Hell Week, you're a tough dude. Right. You've already been through four weeks of first phase. Like, right. You're a tough dude. Just to get there, um, you're, you're not weak. And there are, there are lots of guys who quit in the first twenty four hours of Hell Week. And you could look at everything that happens in the first 24 hours of Hell Week and say, how is this really any harder than what you've already done in the last four weeks? And this, and now we're going to talk about something else that relates to this, which is how people quit. This is where people quit in buds, Nick. People will quit. So take, the, take like a good athlete or somebody that you know, and they can make it through one day of buds. Mm-hmm. But where people quit is you know when you finally finish that evening the instructors are done messing around with you at like seven or eight then you have all this other you know stuff that they tell you you got to clean and do and then you go clean your personal stuff and then your class oic musters you um and tells you what you know it's basically midnight at this point and tells you what the schedule is for the next day and we have you know the next evolution for day two starting at four in the morning. So we as a class are meeting at three 30 and it's midnight right now. What happens is people say, not that I can't do this again tomorrow. They say, I can't do this for 179 more days. Mm -hmm. And so that's where people quit. And you know, when you're doing the unknown distance run, it's not that I have to keep this pace for forever. I just have to keep this pace for right now. Mm -hmm. But people quit because they say, well, what if I can't? And then they, and then they eliminate themselves anyways. So resiliency is all starts with a a way of thinking that says, I can like Henry Ford says, whether you think you can't or Mm -hmm. you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to hear that very young in life. 
And I believed it. Some people hear that quote and say that's stupid. Right. Those people don't have very much resiliency. And they're right. Yeah. It, they're right. It is stupid for them. So it's so it's it's self fulfilling. It's self fulfilling. It's beautiful. So I mean, there's so much there, and that's phenomenal. And I love that we're talking about it going to the core of who a person is because I think that's a very personal topic that I don't feel a lot of people. Nobody wants to be told that. Nobody wants to be told that really what you're capable of has to do with who you say that you are and what you believe about yourself. People want right. to. People want to say, "Well, I can't be this because nobody gave me that." So the onus. Look in the mirror. That That's what's tough about this is yeah. that you take absolute ownership for everything in your life. And and, and that is a very challenging. I didn't give position. myself a lot of mercy, Nick. I kind of backed myself like into a corner with going into buzz because I'm like, man, I have everything that if I fail, it's totally on me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not like the one of the guys who is blind and climbed Mount Everest or has no legs and climbed Mount Everest. Like, you know, if you fail on that, no one's going to like beat yeah. you up about it. Seriously. Like if I had failed at buds, I deserve to get beat up about it. Cause I had everything that was required right. to begin. And you knew that. And that, and that, well, I think that's an incredible thing because you were told that you didn't, but you knew that you did. So let's put this back in my shoes. I'm too old to join the Navy <laughs> SEAL. So, you know, while you've crushed my dream on this podcast, I will eventually get over it. Cause I have resiliency. Um, and I, I never have told myself I'm a Navy SEAL, but if I, I do want to develop more resiliency because I see, well, here's, I, let me, let me say about. something real quick. Some people like people would be uncomfortable making a statement like where if you said, and people think like, oh, you can't say that in front of Garrett, like you defend him. If you said like right now, like, I think I could have made it through buds. Other people would be like, well, you can't, you know, you don't know that you can't say that. It's exactly how I felt at 19 years old. Like right. if you said that right now, well, Garrett, I think I could make it through buds. You are entitled to think that. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even matter if I agreed with you or not. Right. You can think that. Yeah. And at 19, I was like, I can't think this. And I had everyone trying to tell me, you can't think that way. But that's the empowering thing. So if, if somebody out there realizes the value, and I hope that they do, I, I mean, you've talked about it at length, and it is tied to core values. How do we go from it? You know, it's resiliency, it's self-talk. We've touched on those are, I feel like those are the two key parts of what we're talking about here. How does someone go from, man, I never heard of this to I need to develop this because I realize the value of what this is going to bring to my life. Yeah. So if we want to make it real tangible for people, it starts with awareness. You need to have an awareness of what resiliency is. And it's not just confidence on steroids, right? It starts with who do you say that you are? What self-talk? What? Yeah. And what do you believe about yourself? Right. It's self-talk influences that self-talk is not your identity. Self-talk influences your okay. identity. And we'll talk more about that and other episodes, but it starts with who do you say that you are? That is the core of resiliency. So uh, first it's awareness, knowing what resiliency is and deciding, Hey, I want to have resiliency. If you want to have it, you, you need to determine that you want to have it. Right. And that's, so it starts with awareness and understanding it. Right. So w let's say that I, you know, decide who I am and I go, you know what? I'm a turd because I've had, you talked about confidence and it coming from the outside for a lot of people. A lot of people have grown up not having people that believed in them. I mean, I was very fortunate that my parents growing up tell me I could do anything and that they love me. A lot of people come from terrible backgrounds. So if you have, if you're, if you, you stop and you get this awareness you're talking about and you realize, man, I believe a bunch of things about myself that if someone else said them about me, I'd want to punch them in the face, but actually I say it to myself all the time. Where do you begin to, you know, where do you go from there? Cause I think there are, there are a lot more people in it's that. It's kind of like a really great, uh, mad TV sketch from Bob Newhart where he just says, stop it. That's what I tell people. Like <laughs> right. if you're saying negative things about yourself, stop it. If you're not believing positive things about yourself, stop it. You're not helping anyone. 
Mm-hmm. You're making yourself, you are relieving yourself. You'd rather sit with the pain of poor performance than the pain of inadequacy. Mm. They don't want, people don't want to challenge themselves. And it's why I like to challenge people. I think I am where I am at this point in my life because I lean into the challenge. I seek challenges. I want to be tested. People who don't want to be tested won't become very much. Like resiliency starts with, I, I, I want that. I want to be that way. Right. So, you, so you, I mean, it's as simple as that. It's a decision, right? To stop what you're, what you're, believing about yourself and what you're saying right then. So now what? you got to replace it with something. You can't just leave it. So the next step. So, okay, you've decided to quit calling yourself a loser and I'm going to call myself a winner. And then you go out there and you try to be a winner and you fail again. And that's most people's journey on resiliency. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'm not that. Because they thought it was as easy as, well, I said it. And no, it doesn't work that way. If you believe it, then it doesn't matter what happens anyways. Like if you know that you are capable, if you know who you are, even when you get external stimuli that says differently, you can t- it doesn't change your belief. Right. That is how, how do you hold on to a belief that everyone says you're wrong, that what's going on around you says you're wrong. You ha- I mean, it is just a core belief. And then as you continue to hold on to that and you keep pressing and you keep pushing, then you'll prove it. Most people give up just before, you know, on that unknown distance mm-hmm. run, they give up not at the point of failure. They give up at the point of discomfort. Right. And I think, you know, going back to Tony, another great Tony Robbins quote, he says, the moment of decision is where true life change happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm listening to you talk about that and I'm getting chills because I'm thinking about the person who's trying to change it. And I'm so glad you touched on the failure because it's not like you listen to this podcast and now, you know, or you listen to something Yeah, just, else hey, you know, happens. go wear a t-shirt that says you're a winner and tell everyone you're, you're a winner. Yeah. And then now everything you do will be a success. Not, not the case, but you've got to be stubborn about being first of all aware, like, hey, wait, this is one of those situations where now I have to be Sometimes aware of what's you, inside. You may have all the resiliency and believe that you're a winner and you may go on for 10 years and keep failing. At that point, you need to realize, okay, I have the core belief of being a winner, but what am I missing? Right. Then you start looking at your, your strategy right? and your tactics. But if you still have that sense, yeah, you're going to change. You're, what am I missing? Am I missing? Are there, is there equipment that I need? Is there knowledge that I need? You're going to find it. But with that resilient mindset, you'll find it. Right. But if you don't have that resilient mindset, you'll just say, no, it's not meant for me. You know, yeah. if I had, if I had failed my first time at buds, it would not have changed. And there's a lot. So there is some luck involved in buds. Like I could have gotten injured and just got dismissed from training. I failed pool comp and they decided to keep me where they kicked. I think there were 12 of us that failed pool comp and nine of them, they booted, they right. kept me and a couple others. I could have gotten booted and it would have taken resi- And there are guys that come back. Michael Monsoor, medal of honor winner, jumped on a grenade, saved his team's life. He quit his first time at Buds. Most people don't know that. Wow. What do you, and he, so he was 25 years old on, on their first deployment when he did that. He had failed. He was probably 19 or 20 his first time at Buds because you go to the fleet for a few years, you come back. I'm sure somebody will correct me on the, on the right details, but then he went on and did that. Hmm. So what, what the point I was making was even if I hadn't made it my first time, if you have resiliency, you're going to say, well, that's not me. You know, even though I failed, I'm not a failure. Right. I love that. Well, we're going to dive more in on future episodes into self-talk for sure. I would say for everybody listening, uh, take your takeaways. If, if you're into that sort of thing, and we'll cover takeaways, I'm sure, another time yeah. as well, because I know you're big on those, is who do you say you are and what is the self-talk saying? What are you saying to yourself? I think if you can answer those two questions for yourself, you might start going down a whole new path of developing resiliency. Yeah. What, what do you believe about yourself, Nick? That's yeah. where it starts. 
That's a whole other podcast. If you don't believe that you have a destiny, you're not going to have one. If you don't believe that you're capable, you're not. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. Well, guys, we're going to wrap there for for pod two. If you want to uh, get in touch with us, uh, you can follow Garrett on Instagram at Garrett Unclebach, which is a weird last name. You can check the show notes. We'll put it in there. Um, Or just continue to subscribe to us. We are going to have more for you. Uh, We appreciate you guys watching, listening, or whatever you're doing. Let me tell you what I believe, Nick. I don't believe that it's a weird last name. You know, I used to think that. And then now (laughs) what I know is that it's such a unique last name. When I was young, I was like, yeah, it is weird. People like, you know, make jokes about it. But you know what people don't do? They don't forget my name. Well, that's true. And they probably also don't spell it right. So, you know, that's great. I also have a a non-common last name, but it's, uh, you know, you can spell it. So it's so common that people don't spell it right, but whatever. <laughs> All right, Uncle Buck and Surface. Are I don't out. make pancakes with a shovel. I don't even know what that I'm, means. It's an Uncle Buck joke. Oh, okay. I well, made Uncle I made Buck. my first I made my first joke on the podcast, and you missed it. Uncle Buck. Well, uh, yeah, because it sucked. If I'm being honest. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your jokes improve, and I'm looking forward to diving more in uh, next time, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to the Impossible Life Podcast. If you like this, please subscribe. We will be putting these out regularly. If you think it would be benefit to a friend, send it, text it, share it on your social media. We appreciate it all. If you have any suggestions, questions, or if you want to get in touch for Garrett and find out about his personal or business coaching, you can get in touch with us at impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. One more time, that's impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. Go live the impossible, and we'll see you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plunges should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.